Welcome to this week's segment of this wonderful thing that we're calling for such a time as this. I would say in not COVID-19 world, I'm coming live from you from the beautiful campus of the University of St. Thomas, but I'm not. Uh, but I would love to be coming, and we will be coming soon uh, to you from the University of St. Thomas campus in the new Max Studio. Max Studio, yes, as in St. Maximilian Kobe. Uh, and we just had the opening of the Max uh, in Conroe this past Wednesday. And so we are really moving forward with, with that vision. And the vision is becoming uh, in fruition in many, many ways. Uh, and uh, kudos to Dr. Ludwig and his wonderful team for making all this happen. So the idea uh, for such a time as this is to look not only at current realities and issues facing us as Houstonians, but with a particular twist from a Catholic perspective. University of St. Thomas is the only Catholic university in the city. We are, as we say, the heart of Houston. We love to play off of that. Houston, and the name of Houston is U-S-T in the middle. We are the heart of Houston. Uh, and going forward for 2036, why 2036? is 200th anniversary of the city of Houston will be 200 years old. University of St. Thomas plays a great role in those 16, soon to be 15 years to that 2036 vision. Uh, and we are going to play that role even more going forward. There's something special about a Catholic university because we get to examine each week the current issues from the lens and through the lens of Catholic social teaching, social justice. When we dialogue around these issues, we will be asking always the number one paramount question, the aspirational goal question that must be asked. What is the fair and ethical treatment of all human beings? What is the fair, moral, ethical treatment of all human beings? That is an important question for a Catholic university to wrestle with, to deal with, to come up with, to run it through the lens and the filters of theology and philosophy and all the other disciplines, and then to say, with the layer of Catholic social teaching, here's what that should look like. Because until we have that question answered and that discussion, we can't get to the two antecedent questions that go with that. All human beings are equal, all lives matter. So we are going to explore that in the months of left in 2020 and definitely in 2021 in a more in-depth, deep way uh, with guests and topics and subjects coming to you on this session of for such a time as this. We've done some of these already with great response uh, and great guests. And today is no exception, uh, exceptional guests and exceptional speakers. Uh, joining me today is Amy Ozan, who is a pastoral associate for evangelization and formation. Uh, and uh, she will tell you more about herself. I'm gonna stop right there. She's gonna tell you more about herself uh, after we do an opening prayer. And then we'll come back with Amy and we'll start our dialogue. Amy, please. Very welcome. welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It's such a pleasure. I'm also a St. Thomas alum. I know. I was going uh, to get to that. But you go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That's why you, that's really why you're here. You know that. So, so it's a joy to, to be right. here uh, in, in uh, uh, contributing in any way to uh, the greatest Catholic university in the state of Texas. There we go. Oh, no, the greatest one in the city of Houston. There you go. So, <laughs> we have for our opening prayer, uh, 
This is taken directly from uh, Fratelli Tutti, which, you know, aside from anything else, is the papal encyclical that is the most fun to say. Uh, this is a prayer that comes right out of uh, Pope Francis's newest encyclical, Fratelli Tutti. Uh, the mural that you see was actually painted by a young woman. She's a junior in high school uh, at Magnificat High School in Rock River, Ohio. And her vision for this mural was that she wanted to reimagine uh, great African and African-American saints as contemporary African-Americans. Uh, so I think she's done a beautiful job. And we see here uh, Father Augustus Tolton, who was the first uh, African-American to be ordained a priest, uh, Sister Thea Bowman, St. Augustine, and of course his mama, St. Monica is next to him, and then St. Benedict the Moor. So we ask all of these holy men and women to pray with us as we enter into prayer together. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, Father of our human family, you created all human beings equal in dignity. Pour forth into our hearts a fraternal spirit and inspire in us a dream of renewed encounter, dialogue, justice, and peace. Move us to create healthier societies and a more dignified world, a world without hunger, poverty, violence, and war. May our hearts be open to all the peoples and nations of the earth. May we recognize the goodness and beauty that you have so sown in us and thus forge bonds of unity, common projects, and shared dreams. Amen. Amen. Amen Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for that, Amy. All right. So I failed to mention uh, a part of your uh, introduction with your title, uh, the parish. So tell us about your parish and tell us a little bit about yourself. And then we're just going to dive in with our conversation. Wonderful. Well, I am the pastoral associate for evangelization and formation at St. Ignatius Parish in Spring, Texas. Uh, a little about myself. I have been doing parish work for about 20 years. I began as a youth minister and moved into uh, religious education from there. Uh, I have four kids, a boy, a girl, a boy and a girl. And uh, my husband and I have been married for 21 years this year. All right. And I love to tell people I met my husband when I was 10 and he was 11. <laughs> we met at Vacation Bible School at Our Lady Star of the Sea Catholic Church All in right. Park, Texas. Um, so I have an arranged marriage. <laughs> uh, and there is that's probably, some that's probably some truth to that too, knowing the families. <laughs> it worked out. It worked right. out in our case. All right. Um, my, uh, I mentioned I'm an alum of the University of St. Thomas. I have a master's in Catholic education from the University of St. Thomas, also a certificate in faith and culture from the wonderful Nesty Center for Faith and Culture there at UST. Uh, I also have a master's degree in social work from the University of Houston. But for my undergraduate, I went all the way to Massachusetts. Uh, my bachelor's degree is from Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley, Mass. But it was too cold up there. I had to hurry up and get home. I understand. I understand. You at, uh, at St. Ignatius, <coughs> you at St. Ignatius, uh, and with your wonderful cohort, uh, 
Gloria, uh, uh, have put together a very unique series. And the thing I love about it is that you've been able to keep it going and to grow it, even in COVID-19. But it got started around a subject matter that people wouldn't think about would be a subject matter that's growing of interest in St. Ignatius in spring of all places. Uh, tell us about that. Certainly. Um, when I arrived here at St. Ignatius, I've only been here since December 2019. So I got here just in time for the pandemic. Um, <laughs> I didn't bring it with me. It's not my fault. All right. But, uh, I, when I arrived here, uh, I was so blessed uh, to inherit a program that was begun by one of our parishioners, uh, Gloria Aldridge, with the support of our pastor, uh, Father Norbert Medusa. Yep. And it is a discussion group which takes as its uh, content the pastoral letter that was written by the USCCB, Open Wide Our Hearts, uh, their pastoral letter on racism. Gloria began this uh, actually with a breakfast at her home. She just opened up her home and invited those who were interested in forming a group and discussing this uh, to come and to meet, and they did. Uh, they had uh, several meetings, and I believe, uh, Larry, that you were kind enough to come and to speak at one of those early meetings. Yes. Um, our plan was to put together kind of these quarterly events where we would have a speaker and small groups and perhaps some skill building, uh, and then COVID hit, and all that went out the window. So we sat down, and we really had to think about, is this something we want to table? and wait until life gets back to normal, whatever that's gonna look like, um, or can we find a way to, to continue this group and perhaps you know, even grow it uh, in the midst of this pandemic? And so after some prayer and consideration, I said, you know what, let's just take it online and let's see what happens. Maybe it'll be you and me and three cats and, <laughs> and that'll be all right. Um, but, uh, to my surprise, Gloria was not surprised because Gloria had the vision from day one. Yes, she um, the, the group caught hold. We went from 10 to 12 to 25 to at times 50 participants all online, uh, breaking open different parts of the, the letter. Um, and I will tell you, Gloria Aldridge is a force of nature. Uh, I have no doubt that if she decided that Pope Francis was going to speak at this group, <laughs> that I would be sending out emails saying, okay, y'all, Pope Francis is going to be zooming in to Spring, uh, Texas, talk about, she just has such a passion and a vision for this. And you don't say no to her. You no. just don't say no to her. I don't say no to her. I'm living proof. I'm living proof. <laughs> uh, but it's been a wonderful thing to see the passion, the love, the, the concern around this issue that she's kept alive. Mm -hmm. Yes, we had the wonderful conference put on by the Nestle Center for Faith and Culture when we brought the, uh, doctor, the doctrine to the campus, the pastoral mm -hmm. letter, Open Wide Your Heart. Uh, she was there, she got more enthusiastic and it kind of continued. But I think she's the only person in the whole archdiocese that have kept that thing alive uh, since that wonderful event uh, put on by the Nestle Center. Which leads me to the, the, the piece of discussion this evening, this afternoon, around the quote that you gave uh, yesterday, 
seems yes, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Uh, the from Saint Joan of Arc. Uh, I am I am not afraid. I was born for this. The title of this show is uh, for such a time as this, which follows the same train of thought. Uh, we are called as Catholic Christians, as Christian Catholics, everyone wants to talk about it today, to really seize this moment that we're in, in a pivotal way, to begin to talk about not only holistic and inclusion and civility and all those things that are missing, but to talk about it in a special way. Uh, and some of the things we touched on yesterday and some of the things you and I have talked about in the past, because uh, I've known you a little while now, over the years, uh, <laughs> tends to lead to a conversation, it seems to me right now, from your perspective, where do we go from here? Let's say, let's pick a time frame. Mm -hmm. The 78 days coming right after the day of the election and until uh, January 20, when the new president's sworn in, it's gonna be an interesting time that's gonna challenge and test us all. Our thinking, our beliefs, our feelings, our emotions, our care, our stress, our anxieties, all will be more questioned now than we ever can imagine than they are at this point already. Yeah. How do we get through that? And how do we coalesce through that, Amy? I would say three things. The first thing I would say is that we must remember who we are. We must remember who we are. We are children of God, we are people of prayer. So we put our feet on the ground and we say, I shall not be moved. We root ourselves deeply in prayer and in the word of God, which has sustained us all these years. Uh, God has not gone on vacation. <laughs> he is still with us. Um, and in fact, in this moment, the, the darker the night, the brighter the light. So if you only, if you got a birthday candle, you better shine your birthday candle. If you got a forest fire, you better be a forest fire. But nobody has an excuse to hide their light under a basket. We just can't. Uh, the second thing I would say is that um, we have to, <laughs> as Catholics, we need to stay close to the sacraments. And especially, I would say the sacraments of reconciliation which call us to humility and truth and to the sacrament of the Eucharist, which calls us to communion and to community. Uh, the sacraments remind us that, that God is God and we are not. And so in staying close to those sacraments, we stay close to God and we allow him to give us the grace that we need to do the things he's asking us to do. And the third thing that I would say is that, um, we have to do those things that God is asking us. And we have to do them across the board. So God is asking, what is, oh mortal, God has told you what is good, right? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We need to take that and put it in our heart and just make up our mind right now that regardless of what happens, that is who we are and that is what we do. We don't have time for fear. We don't have time for foolishness. We have been called for such a time as this. We were created for such a time as this because we are the church and this is what we do. This is who we are. But I don't want to. I don't care. I don't want to. <laughs> I have 
been left in my ignorance on purpose. Mm -hmm. As long as I've been able to say I don't know and I don't understand, I don't see that I have no no commitment, no accountability to do anything, to take any actions, to speak up, to be not only a non-racist, but to be an Mm anti-racist. I have no responsibilities. And now you're trying to make me see and understand and tell me I have to do something and doing nothing is not optional anymore. But I've been happy sitting in my (laughs) pew. I've (laughs) I've been happy being a PEW person, just sitting in my pew before COVID and now trying to sneak back in with COVID and have my little spot in my pew and just show up on Sunday, maybe put a little bit in the plate if I want to or not, and then go about my business until next Sunday. Now you tell me I got to do something in the middle of the week. I got to care for some other human being. I got to help somebody. I got to serve somebody. I got to get involved. I don't want to do that, Amy. Well, I would say to you. That's why I'm a Catholic, by the way, because I don't want to do that. Okay, well, Larry, everybody got to graduate from kindergarten sometime. Okay. This is, we are not babies. We are grown people. And when Jesus spoke the gospel, he didn't say, unless you don't want to. See, this is the thing. We all love to quote things that Jesus never said. You know, love your neighbor unless they get on your nerves. You know, forgive those who persecute you unless you're still really mad at them. You know, these are things that Jesus never said. You know, I am amazed by the number of people who want to pick up a gospel and see all kinds of hidden messages and codes. And the gospel is very plain and it's very straightforward. Do right. Avoid wrong. Love God. Love others. If we will just kind of take to heart those things and then with humility, go to God and say, now, what does that mean for me? And here's the thing, when we hear him, we go and do it. We don't find, we don't try to make up excuses for why he wasn't really talking to us. And this has been the problem, I think, is that we hear these messages of social justice, but we always assume that God's talking to the person behind us or inside of us or that really bad person who lives down the street. No, these messages are meant for you. And I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I'm sorry if that means that you have to reimagine who Christ is and what Christ asks of you. But guess what? If you, if you will just do it, you will actually become happier, more fulfilled, and your life will have more meaning. So, you know, we got books to hold down the pews. We don't need people holding down pews. We need people who are going to get up out of pews and do what the book says. So you want me to be an adult Catholic? Yes, please. Okay, so in my reading of things, one thing comes to mind, uh, James Baldwin, who is probably currently the best arbitrator of America in this age. He predicted the reality of what we're going through right now in all of his work and writings before his death. And Baldwin has its great, quote that he uses about doing our own work, that we must all do our own work. And we must have courage, and I love this phrase, to consistently and constantly interrogate ourselves as to whether or not we are doing what we are called to do, to look at our messiness of our own interior lives and realize that this external front that we perhaps are putting out there 
it's not our true self, never has been in some cases our true self, and that we must do our own work to begin to understand the Pentecost experience. And I love the other part that they talk about, about Pentecost experiences like, you know, they must be drunk. <laughs> they must they own something, they must be drunk. Because that, that whole way in which they change and life takes on new meaning and all of that. So if, as I listen to you, those are the two things that came to my mind. This ability to consistently and constantly interrogate ourselves as to, am I living up to the gospel? Am I living up to what I know? Because we know it. Down here, we know it. We know this is what we should be doing. What we should be doing, ought to be doing, must be doing, have to be doing. But we still resist it. And we still fight it. And because I, I'm, we are I'm still like, human. And we're still human. Yeah, because <laughs> the human beings are messy to start with. Human beings are messy to start with. But when I talk to people about, Larry, this is such a hard time we're going through. What can we do? What, what am I going to do? I, this is my, always my response. Well, tell me what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Or more importantly, tell me what you're not doing. What are the things that upset you every morning when you wake up? What passion do you have? What gets your inner, you know, I'm, I've gone through cancer and heart surgery now, but I still have passion. Yeah. And things still make me understand, well, a stroke before the cancer even. Thank God keeps working on me to kind of give me the wake up call. Uh, but I understand that it's, I, I, don't, I hang around so many Catholics and not just Catholics, Catholics, Christians. Let me take that back. Catholics, Christians, church, parish, temple, synagogue, mosque, all of them <laughs> who understand the law, the denomination, the tenets, the principles, the philosophy of their, of their teachings, but don't live them because they're afraid. Um, and what are you afraid of? So I'll turn it back to you with this, with this comment. It seems to me that until we internalize, internalize everything, we're living an external life of what we say we think and believe, but we haven't internalized it so it doesn't manifest itself and serve as an action as it should. So internalization means to me the head, the heart, the gut, the think, the feel, the act, the fancy way, the cognitive, the affective, the behavioral, the past, the present, the future, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the message, the mission, the motivation, traditional, transitional, transformational, and go like this for a half hour because that's all it is. What do I think? What do I feel? What do I act? Because here's what it is for us on this on this Zoom, for those who understand who will be watching this Zoom, all this is is whom? Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father gave the word, the Son took the word, made the word incarnate, made the word flesh, and lived the word, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, went out and took action in the world against sin, and racism, hatred, bigotry, discrimination, sexism. You name it. Why can't we do that, Amy? Why can't we take the this, this, this give me the seven social tenets of, of so, Catholic social teaching and live those? Forget social justice, because social justice means something else to a whole bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. But how about just the seven principles of Catholic social teaching? Well, I'm going to go quote for quote with you. And okay, I'm gonna, I love I love. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give you back G.K. Chesterton. Oh, I love him. I love him too. G.K. Chesterton, who said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Yep. And we are human beings. Told you I don't want to do it. 
<laughs> and human beings, you know, it is very human. Well, I'll give you an example. So, you know, you go up to the elevator and, and you press the button and the elevator doesn't come. And somebody comes by and says, oh, the elevator's broken. Oh, oh, okay, the elevator's broken. So while you're standing there, you know, somebody else comes up and they press the button. And people are gonna, you can put a sign there. You can have somebody stand in there saying the elevator's broken. People are still gonna keep pressing that button because it has always worked before. Every time I press this button, an elevator comes. Now you're telling me I gotta use the stairs? Well, then I don't wanna go. Right. So it is very human to want to continue to do what has always worked before, mm -hmm. or at least what has always worked for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it didn't work for other people, but it worked for you. And you weren't particularly concerned about those other people because it worked for you. Right. So now suddenly we are aware that there are other people for whom this is not working. Um, and not only is it not working for them, it is now no longer working for us. Yeah. So our first reaction is going to be, but bring it back. Mm -hmm. Make it like it was, because that was working for me. It takes us all a minute. And, and, and let's be honest, we're going to grieve a little bit. We're going to grieve a little bit. Well, I remember before I knew about racism, or I remember before I was worried about racism. I remember when we could just all go to school and be friends together and we didn't have to worry about it. Well, no, you didn't have to worry about it, but somebody did. <laughs> right. You know, and this is, this is the, the, um, the temptation of nostalgia. The temptation to say, well, when I, I, I grew up as a, as a white girl or a, or a white boy or, you know, in my neighborhood and we all got along. No. <laughs> that's not how it was you were a child yeah and so in your child's view everything seemed okay to you but your brown friends went home and dealt with very different situations and cried many evenings after they went home and and so what we're saying is we're not children anymore we are the grown-ups in the room mm. and okay. we have children to raise and children can't be children unless adults will be adults. Oh, okay. See, now you're going from preaching the middle, but. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, I, I'm raising four brown children. Yep. In this world. You have lessons to teach every day. Of, of I life. have lessons to, you know, not, a, you know, and I'm telling them, brush your teeth, wash your face, tell the truth, all the things that every parent who loves their kids tells their kids. But I'm also telling them, if you get stopped by the police, I'm also telling them when people ask you why your mother is one color and your father is another, <laughs> you know, I have had so much ignorance directed, not just at me, but at my children. And this is what makes me passionate. And this is what motivates me. You know, I, I growing up in America, I have become accustomed to a certain level of racism. We all have. <clears throat> but I am unwilling, I am unwilling to mm -hmm. subject my children to that. Mm -hmm. And rightly so. And, and so, you know, once we decide it's not about us, it's about those who come after us, there is no stopping it. There is no, 
oh, well, throw your hands up. And I guess it's too hard. There is nothing too hard for a mother to do for her children. Amen. That's a great segue. Um, one quick thought about what you, when you're talking about the stairs, that's the great analogy. I thought that's where you were headed mm-hmm. about when the elevator's broken, we all have to take the stairs. I don't have any problem going down the stairs. <laughs> Easy part. That's, mm-hmm. But you asked me to go up the stairs and do some work. That's hard. Mm-hmm. But your, your calling is always up. Your calling is always higher. Your calling is always to seek. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we are. So before we run out of time, let me make a little pivot here and shift over to something else that you actually touched on in the end of your last comments. Democracy is taking a hit. Citizenship is taking a hit because I don't think we understand either one anymore. Yes. There are five tenets of what it means to be a citizen living in a democracy, which are what? My individual rights and privileges. We love to talk about that one all day because that's the great I and me discussion. Mm-hmm. But what if the other three of the five are common duties, obligations, and responsibilities? To whom? The other. Define the other increasingly in our society, someone different from me, someone that does not look like me, and there's the rub. Because more and more the numbers are not looking like me. I want to return back to the nostalgia. I want to return back to that previous time. And those numbers are never going to go backwards. They're only going to go forward. And so the majority is now a different color than used to be. There's a new color shade of minority. But don't get excited, majority. I got to put a word in front of you. You're the new unempowered majority. So you're really just numerically, demographically, the the majority, that's all it is. But you still have the power. You still have the money. You still have. Which lends then to the next discussion, which we're going to end on, because this is early voting. There are only two sources of power, large conglomerate sums of money, power, or large organized number of people. Voting. Large organized number of people can always beat large numbers of money. So in this world that we're in now, in the middle of this crazy society world we're in, the call for faithful citizenship is now more broadly called and announced and needed than ever before at any time in history. And so as the call for faithful citizenship says, we all must, in our conscience, follow our conscience and dictates, but we must go vote. It is not optional. You cannot call yourself a Catholic Christian, Christian Catholic, and do not go vote. So you tell us where and when still left in early voting. Uh, From the 13th to the 30th, and we're almost there. We have another week, basically. Uh, I think you have a wonderful screen share that we can put up. Yes, I'm going to share my screen real quick and just uh, give you some information about that. Um, So early voting, if you live in Harris County, if you live in Texas, early voting is happening now until October 30th. If you go to the website, harrisvotes.com, you can get information about your polling place. Uh, You can look at a sample ballot. Uh, You can find out uh, any questions you have about your voter registration. Uh, The League of Women Voters every year puts out a nonpartisan voter guide. (laughs) So what they basically do is they send out a number of questions to people who are running for office uh, in the state, in the county, and then they simply report 
what was uh, the answers that were given by these different candidates. So you can download that, you can take a look at that, as well as look at all kinds of other good information that they have at texas2020.org. And that's the website of the League of Women Voters. Something I don't have on this slide, but I really encourage people to go and look at is the document, Faithful Citizenship, yes. which is available from the USCCB uh, website, usccb.org. Or you can just Google Faithful Citizenship USCCB and it'll pop up. It's a free document available online. And then, of course, Election Day is Tuesday, November 30th. So please, uh, we're encouraging, I am encouraging my friends and family uh, to vote early if you possibly can. Uh, but, of course, the very last day that you can vote is Election Day, November 3rd. And we're all going to have to pack our patience this year because we know that uh, people are very excited about this election, that people are very passionate about this election, which means lots of folks are gonna turn out. So especially if you wait until election day, bring your little camp chair, pack some snacks, um, you know, make up your mind that you're gonna be there for as long as it takes to get your vote cast. All right, thank you, Amy. Uh, we have to do some closing remarks here and get out of here because time is uh, already fleeting. By the way, she mentioned the Voter's Guide, the Voter's Guide, the League of Women Voters, Voter's Guide. We have called this thing many things over the years, but what I like to refer to it is, this is the Bible <laughs> for educating yourself on voting. Yeah. And Bible this time means basic instructions before leading elections. <laughs> They do a great job every year. I will. Amy, I want to thank you for being our guest on uh, for such a time as this. Um, I'll close us out with some closing comments. I'm sure we'll have you back in the future, along with your partner, uh, Gloria Aldrich. Uh, and I want to get Father Norbert on also. Uh, and uh, I've asked him to, uh, which means you and Gloria are going to be involved in it. <laughs> to uh, come You're up always make it work for me, Larry. All of us, all of us. <laughs> they all do it to me. I do it to y'all. Everybody does it to each other. That's what it means. So uh, I've asked y'all, I'm going to say him, but y'all now, <laughs> to come up with the wonderful 78-day uh, prayer. I, I want to go back to that with a very serious um, note and tone. It is going to be an unprecedented, unprecedented time in this country regardless of who wins the election, regardless of the outcome of the election, that period from November 4 to January 20th is going to see, unfortunately, language used, words used, concepts used, um, things that we thought we've seen in these last three and a half years, but not to the degree that it's gonna happen during that period of time. So the healing, the, the reconciliation, the hope, the prayers, of the future starting on January 21st is going to be left up to all of us, particularly those of us who have a, a conscience around these issues about how human beings should be treated going forward. So I'll just end with this thought. It seems to me that what we're really saying is that the civic and cultural spheres of our lives, coupled with our religious spheres of our lives, must are come together and, art and articulate a new moral ethical vision, a new narrative of hope that unites a diverse people at this point in time 
and that can look to us doing it at the local level in each one of our parishes, in each one of where we gather together, whether it's Zoom or in person, and begin to talk about what's that future that we want in common for all of us, as Amy said, for our children and children. That starts now. That's not something way, way far off in the distance. That begins and starts now. And so I really want to have uh, guests and speakers in the weeks to come that speak to that vision, to that future. Uh, and that future is now. It's not, a, it's not a future in the far, far away land. I use that 2036 reference just because it's easy to conceptualize 15 years and a nice 20 round package. Everybody's going to be so By the way, the state of Texas is also going to be 200 years old in 2036. So everybody will be, Whoa, you know. And I forget offhand, and maybe Darnell can tell me offhand how we can talk about it next time. University of St. Thomas will be what year old in 2036 on their way to their 100th anniversary. It's close. Uh, so there we are, uh, enough for this week. Uh, we thank you for, and for watching, for being part of this. We thank Amy again. We thank Darnell and University of St. Thomas that makes this happen. Uh, we'll be in the Mac studio soon and we'll see some great things there. Uh, this is what we're called to do and we're called to be, uh, to put action to words and words into action and let people know there's something you can do. We all can do something and we all must do something. Yeah. And doing nothing is not an option. Never was, certainly is not now. Yeah. Until we come together again, we thank you. Stay well, be safe, and as always, peace, power, and love.